Hey, this is Joe Ledbetter, and you're listening to Master of One Podcast. You can check out my work at joeledbetter.com. another episode of the master of one podcast the podcast that's about 25 percent more canadian this episode we talk about our weeks and we talk to the fabulous andrew cole i'm andrew your master of art and design i'm patrick your master of television and film and i'm luke your master of toys and games so buckle up and put on that parka because it's time to head up north it's so cold up north let's not every episode off by going around the table which is where we talk about something new fun and noteworthy about our weeks but before we do that this episode we have a very special guest who's going to be with Who? us for the entire episode tell us Patrick, about it we're going to talk to andrew cole bo, bo, bo. remember when we used to do that like on like all of our episodes yeah we tried <laughs> no, to forget we that did we really yeah we did the, no, the echo? nobody needs to know that yeah, i'm serious we did went we, you, so long without anybody knowing that because nobody listened at that time and you brought it, it up we we thought that it added production value if oh. it sounded like we were recording in a big hallway right yeah hallway, if you were, hallway, hallway. <laughs> it also sounded like you were recording in a big hallway because it was <laughs> one mic in a room <laughs> that's true we, <laughs> yeah that's true turns out we didn't need to add any effects it just did it naturally all right so uh so andrew is sitting quietly idle by <laughs> yeah. but he's here andrew's telling everybody be neither that seen here. nor heard yeah i know i know i'm well now that's i'm good. heard, uh, heard. i guess i'm still not seen um Hi, friends. Hello. Hey, man. Hi. Oh, hey. <laughs> so we get the uh, we get the luxury of seeing your face and talking to you pretty regularly, but um, we usually uh, keep you to a very very scaled down time. A strict uh, time limit. Because, yeah, because you make Patrick feel bad about how nice you are in comparison to how terrible he uh, he True is story. Uh, as a he person. Is so terrible. Um, but this time we decided to to uh, it's been a bit since we've talked to you about all of your work. Um, and then we have some just general topic and, and housekeeping things we, we want to do with you. So uh, we're just going to go into it. And you're going to be here the whole time. You're going to have all of our master category time is going to be dedicated to you. So, um, But for now, we're going to kick off our around the table. So uh, who do you want to go first? Uh, I mean, I'm going to hold the mirror back and say you, Andrew. Why don't you start Ooh, on? Crap. Okay. I like it. Um, so it's been a crazy couple of weeks if you're a regular listener to the show you know that because our schedule has been kind of wonky and the episode releases have been have been different which is good and uh variety is good but it's been really really tiring it's just been kind of non-stop uh, so i'm finally after like the last four or five days getting back to a regular schedule and a rhythm of things several things have happened in the past uh couple of weeks i'm not going to go into all of them i'm just going to show you a couple of the things that i that i've been able to get um not the least of which uh, is this little guy right here. So we went to MondoCon, um, met up with a couple of people. Uh, Ryan Davis um, yeah. gave me a gift. It was a, It's a birthday gift. My birthday is next week or this weekend, <laughs> I guess. Depending. Yeah, it's it's this weekend. If you're if you're watching this on release day, will um, you tell us the date? Uh, it's November 19th is my birthday. 
Um, but he uh, he made this for me. It, it's hard to see what it is, but it's oh, felt. Great. It's a felt oh. uh, Darkwing Duck. Gosh, it's kind of hard to see the. It's good. You can you can see it better. Okay, on the camera over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's felt. It's totally dimensional. It's totally cool. So I was so happy uh, to get that. Um, very very cool. Uh, something that I pre-ordered a long time ago was probably like three or four months ago. I pre-ordered, um, and it finally came in is the new Funko rock candy. Here's the box. Um, the rock candy, Jessica rabbit. There's not a ton of, of, uh, I don't know what that means. Rock candy. Is that a line? It's like sparkle, right? Oh, okay. It's not necessarily sparkle. Listen, it says Funko. I stopped paying attention. Yeah. It's a, it's a Funko line. Um, Oh, so it's not. Okay. Yeah, it's never mind. Though. Ignore but, what I said. But here is Jessica Rabbit, and she's wearing a glitter dress. I don't, it makes me uncomfortable. I don't like that. I love it. You know and who you know likes who that probably is Jay Ratner. Well, I texted he him as soon three as three of them. <laughs> don't ask. Never mind. He, uh, I sent him a text, and his was pre-ordered as well. But he's going on vacation, mm. and his will his will be delivered while he's gone. Gotcha. So. Uh, but it's beautiful. So if, if you're just listening to this, you're not watching. The sculpt is really nice. The paint job is really nice. She's wearing – it's Jessica Rabbit but stylized uh, in like a cartoony kind of way. Yeah. Um, but her dress is glitter, um, glitter paint, and uh, man, just just killed it. And then the final thing uh, – no, two things. We went to MondoCon, <laughs> and I talked about it on the MondoCon recap episode. So if you haven't watched that, go back and watch that because there's a lot of great stuff there. Um, but I talked about the Becky Cloonan um, – the Becky Cloonan original drawing uh, for um, of Lydia from Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Yeah, Beetlejuice. Winona, oh, wait, Winona we said it three times. That's true. Um, so hold on to your butts, everybody. But here is the drawing. Um, let's see if I can get it. To so she did you. that in about 30 minutes sitting on stage and in, in, like, in the at, panel in front of Looking at reference material from 10 feet away side like the side shot just of a computer glancing. yeah yeah glancing, glancing at jay shaw's computer <laughs> and what i love about this go, go ahead. ahead luke well i was gonna say the funny part about it is she said i fooled all of you because i just drew a pretty girl with the bangs and you just think it's winona rider she's like it's yeah. not winona rider but it's 100 percent Winona. i mean rider. it looks so, like her yeah 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 so uh what's cool about this other than it's an original drawing and it's gonna be the it's essentially like the the uh the, the initial piece to start a Mondo poster right. that should be coming out next year, which is pretty cool. Um, and it's signed by her and all that jazz. Here's the, here's a cool part about it. So you've heard about remarks, right? So like when someone does a, a screen print and then they'll draw a little, uh, a little additional drawing on there to, to customize yeah. it for everybody. They call them remarks. Well, I call this pre-marks because on yeah. the back of the paper, she did a couple of she did a sketch of the direction she wanted to go before she did the drawing in, in like full scale. Um, so here, here, uh, these are her pre marks of Lydia wearing the big black hat mm-hmm. from uh, from Beetlejuice, and so um, it's a really neat little piece. I can't wait to get it framed. Um, really excited about that. The final piece, uh, Luke in one of our panels was, uh, he asked a question, uh, yep. Brock Otterbacher, the, the toys guy, the toys and collectibles guy from Mondo. And he won a gift just for, um, mm-hmm. for asking a question. Other people were getting like $350 figures. Yep. <laughs> massive, just huge boxes. Massive boxes. Well, that he they he to had people pick a number one through seven. And I was the right. last person. Yeah. So I got the def- default leftover gift. 
One of the guys, like one of the gifts, it took two guys with those like shoulder straps running under it in order to like lift it and bring it <laughs> yeah. over to him. That's, it came, yeah, it came in a refrigerator true. box. Yeah, um, it's crazy. But but so Luke got the final question and he got ironically the smallest gift, but um, it ended up working out well. It worked I out had for a both poster. Of us. I had a poster that Luke really wanted. I really wanted this, and I, I missed out on it when it first released. Um, so we traded yep. uh, straight up for it. So I got the Hellboy, the baby Hellboy. Oh, cool. Um, and uh, here's the it's inside of the box. <laughs> it's not in there because he's right here. Oh. That's good. And uh, I'm putting it up to the camera. The the, uh, the good camera? Video. There you go. <laughs> yeah, the good camera. The sculpt is amazing. Yeah. This is the Mondo exclusive version. And so he comes with this, uh, Andrew, you'll get this because you're a Hellboy fan, but he yeah. comes with the crown with the fire, yes. with the flame. Yeah. I have a little bit of beef with this. I'm going to talk to Brock about it next time we talk. It, this just kind of sets on his head, which isn't. Well, great what else for would display. it? So, uh, you know what? I thought about that because I, I looked at, I looked up some more like other people had posted pictures and some people had said that. And I was like, yeah, that does kind of stink. But at the same time, what else would you do? Because when he's Magnet. not. Well, Magnet. that so if I know anything about Mondo and their toy production, it is uh, as scaled down as possible for production cost. And I think to embed a magnet in the head for that would have added too much of a cost in the casting. I agree, but I think it would have been better. I agree. Just, yeah, yeah, you're right. So. Um, what about glue? What about a, stra- what about a strap? <laughs> strap. <laughs> you tie it. Well, I was thinking like you could have a, a like little a peg sticking out yeah. and a hole in his head to put it down in. But then if he's not wearing it, you'd have a little yeah, hole. A hole. That would yeah. make sense. Then you put a plug in, but then you can't get the plug so the, out. And the so other, then it doesn't the other fit. thing you, you could do. off the peg and then it's. The other thing you could do is his little horns that are sticking out. If you made the fire molded in such a way that it would clip around the horns better. That would have worked yeah. to hold it on instead of just sitting on there. As as it is, he's going to sit on my shelf and he's not going to be wearing the crown um, because I think he just looks way cooler without the crown anyway. Mm. And so I have a I have a uh, a screen print from Mike Mignola, a, a small print yep. that he signed when I met him in uh, um, San Diego at com at Comic Con, yep. where where Hellboy is this age. Yeah. So it's going to go perfectly right next to that. Nice. So cool. it's. So it's going to be great. Um, ironically, Lobster Johnson is also in that print. <laughs> a, throw, a throwback to months ago when we had you on yeah. the show and you talked about Lobster Johnson. So um, anyway, that was my time. I'm going to hand it over to Luke. Hey. Okay. Um, all right. So first of all, I just want to say that it, re- it feels really good to be back doing this. Like, it's awesome being out there, talking to everybody, being in person. I think, honestly, for me, that's like... That's the uh, that fuels me. That refuels me. It's like sitting down here. It gets uh, it gets a little stagnant. Um, we talk to amazing people. We have a lot of fun. But like actually being out there in the mix of it is really awesome. But this coming back to it now feels really good. Like I feel like I'm getting back to a comfort level. And traveling was just like really fun, but also exhausting. So now that I'm done traveling for a minute. Uh, I'm getting back into the swing of this, and it feels really good. Um, all of that being said, this week was kind of just a get back and state of affairs. Where is everything at project-wise? Um, what do I need to work on? Um, and uh, 
so I'm in the middle of that. I got, so if you saw, when we were in San Francisco, we went to, uh, Patrick, what's the name of the toy uh, shop that we went to? Woot Bear. Woot Bear. And we did a uh, Instagram Live, but I don't know if we've posted anything else. We all picked up an outsider, uh, a J-Led outsider. Mine is hanging out right there. Cool. I think maybe mine made it at home with one of you, because I can't find him. Nope, I don't have it. Maybe Patrick has it. Anyway, I, I might have it. I'll check I, later. The one I cool. pulled was this guy right here, uh, Moonbeam, the uh, the hippie skunk, and it's actually the chase figure. So I got super lucky. I know Patrick you know is not super it? excited. Uh, you can't see it in the in the appear, but you can see it on the camera. So I'm okay. I'm, I'm, it's right here. Um, I will show here. I'll show Andrew Cole because how he different is your it. camera angle than ours? I don't know. <laughs> Look at that guy. He's super awesome. He's really fun. He looks um, like he just looks chill and like he's got a huge beer belly. Yeah. He's just he's it's like hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> chill. He got a huge beer belly. That's cool. Um, the other thing is this patch from playing uh the thing outbreak uh oh my gosh. outpost thirty one. That gosh, that game, first of all, good job, Mondo team. Uh they killed it. Like Luke Byers, uh Jay Shaw. Uh, I'm going to miss a couple names. Pro- Project Raygun. Yeah, Project Raygun. And then... Justin Erickson. Justin Erickson did the art, but the, the main game designer, I'm going to biff on his name. Patrick, can you look it up while I'm talking? No. Um, okay, cool. Sean P. Diddy Combs. That's not it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but anyway, so we played that game. We played it... Uh, I think we played it a total of three times when we were gone. Uh, the first night, and then we played two more at your house. That game is so great. It's just it it's a social deduction on steroids. It's it's like because there's a a panic, like there's a heightened like time limit on it and I think that's the thing that um really helps. Like Resistance and Secret Hitler, those all have a sort of time limit time limit um to them also, but it doesn't feel as dangerous or as heightened because it's not uh you're trying to escape a infected uh, outpost with without taking a uh, assimilation with you. Um, and you know what? What? Tim Weish. Tim Weish. Gotcha. Uh, yes. Um, but yeah, that game was awesome. So that's the only other thing is uh, figuring out you know when I can actually order it because the place I normally get my games it's out of stock. Um, but yeah. That was it, man. I think this- it. I think it comes back in stock uh, on the tenth. Okay, so that's Sweet. very soon. Uh, One thing I did want to ask about that game go was ahead. I couldn't tell what the playtime is. Like, how long is it from start to finish? So <laughs> it. So when you first learn, it's like an hour and a half. But once you know how to play the game. You could probably play comfortably in about 45 minutes. We played uh, one game in about 35 or 30 minutes. And I think we rushed through a lot of it. Um, or not rushed through, but we didn't do as much like uh, talking or uh, social deduction as maybe you normally would. So I think 45 minutes is probably a, a good standard once everybody knows how to play. Um, it's really good. And the art is incredible. The 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 quality of the game it just it fits everything. What's up, cat is neat. Yeah, there he is. <laughs> taking a break from Instagram to join us on the show. Well, nice to have yeah, you, sorry, celebrity just our audio listeners. Me. Otherwise, you'd all be able to see my cat who's now still in my chair. <laughs> no, I think we heard a little meow meow. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, um, I think we got a, a little taste of cat is neat. 
Uh, okay. Well, sorry. No, so, Luke, I also wanted to ask. Yes. So, based on the like time you're given for deduction, yes. do you find you had to kind of like cut it off at some point? Like, I, I find with murder, like a murder mystery, mm-hmm. where after a certain point, you say, "Okay, we just like need to move forward to the next step." Or do you think that kind of happens naturally when, like, when you three were playing? Right. Um, I think they've designed it in such a way that it happens pretty naturally. There, um, there are times where at the end of the game, when you're trying to figure out who is going. Um, to the helicopter um, to escape, that's where it's prolonged and there's a lot of back and forth of, no, you are, you did this, you did this, you did this. That means you're probably an alien or no, I did this, this, and this. So I'm obviously I'm human. Don't pick the wrong person. Like that's an extended time. But in the game, um, the way they have it set up for who's viewing cards, like how the leader mechanic works of who's viewing cards where, um, They've kind of they kind of limited as much uh, interaction as you would have to keep it kind of um, more like you get hints, and so you just okay. you file it away for the end of the game where you can go, oh that 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 happened. This is why I think you are who you say you are, or, or aren't, or whatever. Um, it's actually it's pretty clever, and we didn't put that together until we read more into the rules and realized uh, some of the mechanics that the leader actually does. Um, and it's, it's really smart cause it limits a lot of that. Um, a lot of the, the knowledge that was shared in our first couple playthroughs, it limits that so that not everybody is privy to everything, oh, okay. um, which helps both sides a little bit. Gotcha. And, and you can be flipping halfway through, right? Like yes. you can start off as a human. And then yeah. So the, that's also a really interesting dynamic. Like I feel like with a werewolf game, right. I think like a one night ultimate werewolf, right. what's great is you think you're one, but you could be somebody else right. and yeah. you don't know. So I really like that flip on it where you, yep. you know, but you start off genuinely playing one team and then you switch to another team. Right. And so it's cool. now, and I will say, cause I have thought about it in terms of one night. Um, and I'm not sure if I like it more or less. When you play one night, the werewolves and the um, what are like the the assistants to the the werewolves? What are they called? Like a minion? The minions, or yeah. A yeah. The, they all they all know who everybody is because right. at the very beginning you like turn your thumbs up and like you can look and like see the other people, um, or like you make eye contact or whatever. In this right. game, you don't know who the other infected you don't have are. That. Yeah. And so with a team of eight, there are three infected. So Max. there's also like you can't a have more than three, right? Okay, yeah, and so there's but also you, can, you a could have you could have to, less than three. Yes, sure. you, it is possible, okay. it's just unlikely. But there's also a bit of trying to figure out who you're trying to work with because you you don't necessarily know who is like you. So right, okay, and that's where it really relies on the social interactions because, like the first game that Andrew and I played, we were both assimilations. Um, and we didn't realize that we. I don't think. I don't think that's the right word. I don't think it's assimilations. What's the word? Because it's not know. alien. No, it's not alien. It's a different word because the project Reagan people. No, we'll figure it out. Just keep. It's Whatever. Not, I don't think it's assimilation, but just keep going. Okay. Anyway, we weren't. Uh, we didn't realize. So the game started out. I was. I was the the bad guy from the beginning, and then oh, okay. on the next round when it added people Andrew got added and so he was on to me right at first and then when he picked up uh his card and and realized that he was now on the bad side um he he backed off and I I was I was very verbal obviously I I 
at being a good guy, knowing that he was a bad guy, right. trying to make sure everybody understood he was a right. bad guy. But then once I became a bad guy, he backed off I a little bit. My attention, yeah. right? And I caught that. And so knowing him and knowing how how we normally play games like Resistance or Werewolf, I caught that, and we were able to work together. Um, unfortunately, the other guy who was a bad guy, uh, he was just sunk to begin with. <laughs> um, he he was kind of. I don't think he was one until until the third round. Though. I think you're right. Yeah. But we but I well the the strategy and then we can move on. But the strategy that I ended up going with was people picked someone picked up on I think it was Patrick picked up on the fact that I was no it was Trevor picked up on what the fact that I was bad and so what I did was to divert all the attention to me in hopes that. Um, so I played a blatant bad guy game so that my fellow, my other fellow bad guys could fly under the radar and we win. You ultimately win. Right. Right. So I, uh, even though I didn't get put, picked to put on the helicopter, Luke did. So I still got to win. Right. Um, go ahead, Patrick. Well, I was going to say it's, uh, it's pretty, you have to get it a hundred percent correct. Right. Like you can't like leave a good person off. Like all the good people have to escape and oh. all the bad people have to get left behind. So like you have to get it perfect or it doesn't work. And there's a big reveal at the end when the people do the flip. It's there's definitely some it's, yelling. It's good. It's, good. it's really now really the good. only so the three. Sorry, my last question is: Out of the three games you played, did it ever work that you just got the humans on the like? That, yes, our the, last the, the game, last one, the last game, and I was on the human team. I am undefeated in this game so far. On the last game, it was the first time that if any of the times that we played that all three of us were humans and we all got to win together. Yes. It was a really nice way to send off the week. Yeah. Yeah, right. it was a big fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It was a big fun. It was a yeah, big it was fun. fun for everybody else in the room. It was great. <laughs> great. Good catch, man. Uh, wow, all self, right, so I think I've gone long enough. I'm going to throw it to Andrew Kolb and then Patrick yeah, okay. can wrap it up. Um, so I guess my week, um, I, I mean, I'm a little behind on film and I know we're kind of going to talk about some things later. Sure. Um, so I haven't seen Thor yet as of this recording. Um, but I did see, and again, behind, behind the eight ball, uh, that I saw, um, now I've lost it, Blade Runner. Oh, nice. Um, so interesting. I know I kind of talked to Patrick a bit about it before we started, um, that, I was going in kind of expecting it to be thought provoking or for it to stick with me, and it did. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it was everything that I kind of always understood Blade Runner to be, but never really kind of like got it for myself. Like mm. the visuals were beautiful. I felt the story was maybe a little too uh, well. No, I was okay with the story, um, but just <laughs> yeah, it was, it was interesting. <laughs> it just it stuck with me. Like I don't know if I loved it. I think I really enjoyed literally seeing it. Yes. Um, but outside of that, it, it yeah, so look, it's, I'm, I'm unsure. Go I ahead, feel Patrick. like it's been out long enough. I can say this: the story is a bit pointless. I mean, I like I'll say that I I struggled. If I really think about what did we accomplish from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie, it it seems a bit of a throwaway. But at the same time, it still did like I, that word like like sticking. It it absolutely stuck yeah. with me. Yeah. And that's kind of my metric for saying it was a good film because, like, I I just it stayed on my mind so much, and it was just beautiful. And the music is just the the score is awesome, especially sitting in the theater. Right. And it, yeah. What did you, yeah, yeah. A- Andrew? What did you think of the antagonist? I liked it. Okay. Um, interesting. <laughs> I thought it was great that he wasn't 
front and center because I think based on who he was, that makes sense. Like I, I never expect Steve Jobs to be going out into the onto the like showroom floor and being like, "You are my greatest." challenge uh <laughs> or success or failure right um like i don't expect that so i don't i wouldn't i wouldn't expect him to be, be like to get his hands dirty mm. That's can, I, can I stop you one second and tell you what i thought you said and then i figured out what you said and it made more oh, sense okay, what i yeah, thought yeah. you said was you never expect steve jobs to go out into the sherwood forest <laughs> <laughs> you're right i would i would never expect i thought he was from sherman movie. williams for some reason like my mind had completed that uh i was with you colb you you Thank never you. expect to see steve jobs in a sherwin williams <laughs> he has I someone mean, do all of his paint his paint uh purchasing uh, for him i think all of these are accurate i think yep. everyone's own truth is is their truth and it's <laughs> right um so i'm gonna but i do want to bring it back so I, the antagonist i thought was fine i don't think i like him as an actor in general based mm. on what i've read about his method approach okay um so i bring a lot of baggage into any role i see him in sure um but outside of that i thought yeah i thought he was an interesting kind of foil um kind of, but acting in the shadows interesting um okay. yeah i don't know I think when I, one question I had, because you three have all seen yes. it, have you, and you, you've seen the original, I assume. Yes. Mm-hmm. So did you go into this movie thinking Deckard was a replicant or not? Like, how do you, where do you fall on that kind of truth? Uh, when I left uh, watching no, I the didn't. first one, I, I thought that he was based on how they alluded to it, but I also didn't care. Does, okay. that, you know, does that make sense? Like, that, I didn't yeah. think anything really hinged on it. And I still don't think anything hinges on it. Okay. Interesting. Patrick? Yeah. Um, let me say this. I don't have very strong feelings about the first film. I was actually a, a bit let down by the first film. And, um, I, and I could go into a whole other like, reason like why, but I won't do that right now. Um, well, I'll save it. But um, okay. that being said, I, I kind of just assumed he was. That That's kind of what my take was out of the first film. But... Um, I'll also say I wasn't being very critical when I was watching it either. So I like if there's a reason that you walked away feeling a different way, I'm not saying that that's wrong, but that's I just kind of assumed he was. Okay. Luke? I never thought he was just because in my world that would not have been good. So I just chose to believe that he wasn't. Every okay. time he's run into a replicant in his world, they've just been jerks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. And who wants uh, to think that uh, Harrison Ford is a jerk? You know, that's wait, wait. So, Cole, what's what, what? What was your sense? Well, I got. I, I think from seeing the original, I always kind of took it to be that he wasn't a replicant, and that part of the whole kind of conversation was that the replicants were more human than the human hunting them, sort of thing. Like that was kind of part of the message. Sure. Um, and I know later cuts have put in the like unicorn scene. Like I think Andrew, what you're alluding to is the like daydreaming scene like that definitely sells it like i think um that was his whole like the director's uh, or ridley scott's later opinion um but then i think like if i went into this movie thinking that he was a replicant can we i'm assuming we can go into like full spoilers sure why not yeah it's it's been been a couple couple months right if someone hasn't oh i thought you were talking about the original i'm like oh no sorry i'm thinking after 30 years i think no no no. i think for the new one i think you're safe at this point oh the new one's been for like two months yeah yeah, I, I'm yeah. real behind. So 2049, spoilers, get ready. Yeah. Um, so I think like if we treat the child or like the like offspring of Deckard as like being the offspring of two replicants, then I think 
then the conflict between like it becomes like us and them, like the replicants versus the humans. Mm, yep. But if Deckard's a human, then it kind of leaves it open to being uh like just like segregation or saying, okay, we have these two like groups of people that can like procreate together, but we're just choosing not to let it happen. Like, I think it's a more gray area conflict if it's a baby born of replicant and human. Um, And I think that's, I think that's more interesting to me. So I think that's why I want Deckard to be human. But um, I mean, obviously I didn't write this movie. I I can't say where they're going to go next. Sure. I'm, I'm hoping if they have another seat or if they do another sequel, it becomes the discussion of do we like do we let the, these two bodies uh, or like groups of people pro- procreate like make a new kind of race or species um, as opposed to kind of a war between replicants and humans. So that was kind of it yeah. for me. That's I think why I wanted him to be a human. But that was it. Yeah, cool. that's it. Well, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> No, I think I'm just waiting for the throw, but I'll just I'll take it. Oh yeah, no, sorry, that's it, Patrick. <laughs> take it away. <laughs> he doesn't typically. He's not around typically for this part of it. We've usually I'm kicked sorry. him off the show by this point. Yeah, Patrick. that's true. I don't know. I don't know what to do. Yeah, I was like, why is he still talking? Yeah, <laughs> ten minutes was up no. a long time ago. Um, <laughs> okay, so I'm going to run through my stuff pretty quickly. Um, gosh, a couple thoughts with what, what y'all said because I, I wanted to get these in, but I was trying not to slow us up. You talked about Lydia's uh, hair and, and Becky Cloonan saying that she fooled everybody. I, I want to say that that's one of the big challenges when it comes to uh, CGI with characters, because what they looked like and what you remember them as are two different things. And that is something that has to be resolved. And so sometimes CGI is better than you realize, but because it's not how you remember it, you feel like it's bad. I just want to throw that out there. It's very interesting. They, are you uh, referring to Force Awakens now? Uh, it's several things. It, I'm just I'm making the statement. It's just something to consider when you're looking at artwork that you feel like doesn't look correct. Is the issue that it's wrong, or is the issue that your memory's wrong? Oh. That's all I'm saying. I'm I just said what I said based on what she said in the panel. She's the one that said that she fooled everybody and just drew a pretty girl, and we all thought it was oh, her. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, I yeah. I know that, and that, I'm agreeing that's what with she her. Said. Yeah, and yeah, I'm saying that. that her approach was a good one because her approach was to say, what are the pieces that you remember? Let me give you that. Right. And then it yeah. doesn't matter if the likeness is correct because I'm giving you your memory. That that's I'm saying what she did was good. Um It's funny because she because not to jump into a whole nother conversation, but she she self-admittedly does not think she's good at doing likenesses. Yeah. So like if you were to like put this next to a photograph of Winona Ryder. It, 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 it's not a likeness of her, but you look at that and instantly connect the character because she said of her the dark sh- the dark circles under her eye and the uh, the the beady little nose, the pouty lips, and the hair. Right. That's it. Yeah. She's like, otherwise, I just drew a girl. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that's what and that works. I think that's a great approach. Um, I'm gonna save my other comment real quick and run through a couple things. So these are all things that have uh, that have come to me. I've gotten. A, a, I'm. A, I appreciate from the past. I was gone 22 days. It was crazy. Um, I, I know that like Luke kind of left the party and came back and joined the party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Andrew, we took the party to your house for a bit. Yep. I was displaced uh, the longest, and so I'm still recovering. I'm gonna go right to sleep when this is over. But a couple cool things. Number one. 
This is Perspective Collective. So this is a uh, hand drawing. This when so we were good. at uh, Pop Up Crop. Big thank you to, to Matt Dawson for bringing us out, allowing us to uh, interview some people. Those hot seats will be dropping sometime in the next month. We'll we'll roll all those out. Um, some but, really killer interviews. Yeah, I, honestly, yeah. I made there's ten awesome interviews that we can't can't wait to roll out. But everybody got a chance to basically kind of like make their own plates to be printed like screen printed um i don't know that plates is the right term but screens screens yeah sure whatever and um and so people like drew these things and they they took them back industry took them and they actually um got them all printed and uh all these prints have two layers so the the top layer is the artwork that someone did and again this is perspective collective this is um Tell me his Scotty, name. Scotty Russell. Scotty I Russell. Remember, I could remember Scotty, but I couldn't remember his last name. Scotty Russell. But what you're you're not going to be able to tell too good. I don't know if the lights can hit this. Um, but you'll see these like bright spots. Um, and there's a community drawing that's on this as well. So like all these cards were laid on a big screen. There was one big community drawing that everybody contributed to. And then all the individual cards were printed over that. So every card has part of the community drawing in the background. Super, super cool. So big thanks yeah. for Scotty for giving me one of those. Andrew also contributed. And what else are you going to do but do M of one? Uh, looks great. A um, couple other things. Art by Colin. So when we, we did a couple meetups, we did the Anaheim meetup, had 25 people. And then we met with some people when we were in Austin. And uh, Art by Colin, he's in the Slack community. He uh, he gave us these these prints. These are originals by him, and they're super and good. He had, Colin had, first of all, super rad dude. Um, Great shout dude. out to you, man. Yeah. But uh, he gave major props to you, Kolb, um, for helping him out with uh, some art direction. I know that I helped him with a little bit of art direction on some piece, on a piece. and uh, But he had nothing but good things to say about you. Honestly, no, we didn't tell him great. to shut up and he's, stop yeah, talking about you. Yeah, he's a great you. guy. What, yeah. uh, what piece did you help direct on? Uh, the alien piece. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, I think I had helped him with the Jurassic Park piece that I think he gave... A copy of, or he had a couple of copies of. Did you get one? Uh, no. Nope. Well, wow, that's all. There we out. go. Now it's yep. awkward. No, no. There's something Thanks. he's handing out. What? What did he give away? <laughs> did he have a copy of something for you? He. Oh, Is that thing Park? he posted today. I don't remember. Okay, so he, yeah, he did. A, he gave us. Um, he has these little. Yeah, we have these Terminator oh, gotcha. cards. That's these what he's giving you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're super cool. So next thing, I know we've already talked about the thing, the board game. I did. Hey, can um, I hop in real quick? Sorry. I just forgot one thing. Uh, Studio Zoe, we met them at Pop-Up Crop, and they they sent me a care package today that was super awesome. Russell Toynes at Studio Zoe had a sticker, this insane pin that's like the best feeling pin I've ever seen. Uh, or felt. You have yet to hold the logo up correctly. You held it every direction, but upright. Listen, it's okay. It's this. There we go. We did I'm it, everybody. I'm showing you. I'm showing our, all the folks <laughs> You're at home. stealing my time, Luke. It's I fine. had to wait patiently through but all of you. Listen, he, he, sent he, me, he sent me the shirt, and then he also sent me a, a handwritten uh, note, which was super thoughtful. And that's a thing that, like, people don't do anymore, and that's just really cool. So This is yeah. the most patient I've ever heard Patrick, Thanks, if Russell. I'm being honest. Like, he stayed All right, Patrick, real back quiet. to you. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I'm going insane right now. Yeah. Um, okay. 
the next thing, the thing, we've already talked about the board game, but there's a limited edition of the board game, so I won't dive into uh, all of that. I'm not going to unpack it. Uh, I anticipate us actually recording a playthrough and posting that on YouTube at some point. Um, but I did want to show that with the limited edition, you did get a piece of artwork from Jock. And uh, this is it right yeah. there. So it's, it's uh, letterpress, right? Uh, yeah, so the down this piece down here is letterpressed. Um, no, no, the, the whole print is letterpressed. That's embossed. Oh, so I'm an idiot. Oh, you're right. It is. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. Um, so, yeah, there's that stuff right there. Hey, guys, Master of Art and Design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not this guy, but also when you get this limited edition game, it has a different cover. Okay, so. Which is beautiful. It's and this whole incredible. thing, the sleeve slides off, which has the oh, thing. Oh, cool. It's, it's great. It's just I'm super, jealous super that cool. you have that version, but not so jealous that I'm going to spend that money on it. <laughs> it's 120 bucks. It is, uh, it's a little bit of money. Yeah, absolutely. I regret it. Just kidding. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> well, I tell, me though, tell me, though, you haven't had $120 worth of fun with that already. We oh, my gosh. It three times. Totally worth it. Okay, did I mention my Art of Mondo book before I left? Did I have a chance yes. to? Yeah, you did a little bit, but go ahead. Did I show it to people? No. I just wanted to no. show it real no. quick because no, it's sitting beside. I, I keep things on my desk I need to talk about, and this wasn't off my desk, so I assume I haven't talked about it. You talk this about is the Art of Mondo it. book, yeah. if you haven't seen it. They have a limited edition, but I'm not spending $200 for it because I already bought this one. Um, if you buy the limited and edition, the it comes with three. It comes with three prints, three small prints as well, and it comes with a sleeve that's like a flat file sleeve. Nice. Anyway, and a certificate of authenticity. But I wanted to. I just wanted to show you like this entire book, and I'm, I want to make sure I don't open like a something that's like bloody or something. Um, this entire book is just prints. That's it. It's just full pages of prints oh, that go that through several worth years. Worth a lot of money. This one is the real one's worth a lot of money. Um, what was, fact, the, what was the final that those were going for? So Mondo, at MondoCon, they do an uh, silent auction every year, right? They were at 15 grand last I saw. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Yeah. That's um, the collection but, of three, all numbered the same. Oh, yeah. and, wow. it was, okay. and it was a low number. It was like 48 or something. I but, think it was like 84. I think it, it was, was like 84. I'm dyslexic. I should take here, this Here's what I would say. <laughs> Buy two of these books. Or just buy one of these books and then just chop out all these pages and frame yeah. this stuff. I mean, like, cover your walls and stuff. I would say two books stuff. is the good idea. It's great. I think that's a better there idea. There is some Col- history is in, in there? here, but Kolb, I, I don't yeah, know. Kolb, what, what, year, what, what year was the first year you produced something? Um, great question. I think maybe 2014 or 13. Is that how it goes by? Oh, or it only goes up to 2010. Yeah, it goes from 2009 through 2014. So it, wow. it, okay. that's as much as it has. So... You may have a, a print back here, but Maybe. I will just, you know what? I'll flip through and I'll just, insert, oh, there's your, uh, hey, there's your guy right there that's hanging behind you. Um, this guy right there. But can you search? Because I don't have a copy of the book yet. Can you search based on artist or property at all? Is there a glossary? So in the back, they have a small version of all the prints like this, uh, okay. but I'm not sure that they're in like necessarily a type of order because like i'm, I'm not reading the order well, that they're shown they're it's probably the order, in the order they, in the book it's the order that they appear but i'm saying like it's not like alphabetical when it comes to looking for people so it's not alphabetical by year for guests that way so i will look later i'm not gonna look now because i'm gonna okay. just look like an idiot fumbling through this and then i have one more thing to the, show you guys. the book looks beautiful i love the outside yeah of it. it's true i yep. like that better than the limited edition all right last thing but uh hey so, 
So look at this cool piece right here. Um, and this uh, is about to lead into our conversation, Andrew. But uh-huh. basically, with each Fandango, like when you purchase movie tickets, and I was able to purchase tickets again, this time, unlike last year, I'll actually go and use uh-huh. my tickets. But um, you had the option. The first, so many people that purchased were able to also pick up a print. I'm sure they made tens of thousands of these. But the point is, it's actually pretty heavy stock. It's a nice print. and uh, the, That's cool. It's, I just dig it. I don't actually know who did the artwork. I'm sure someone knows who did the artwork. Jock. But um, I love the print a lot. But just take a look at the top center of this print. And then, Andrew, why don't we go ahead and lead that into uh, your conversation? Yeah, so before we do that, though, we're going to call this one quits. We're going to say goodbye for this. This is our around the table. We're going to cycle this one up. Uh, make sure you tune into our master category. We're going to get yep. dive into some more stuff with Andrew Kolb. Uh, and we'll start that conversation off with the thing that Patrick was just alluding to. So for our master category section this week, we are talking with our friend Andrew Kolb. And if you already listened to the first part of this, um, then you know uh, that we're just good friends with this guy. And yeah. actually, at the end of this last episode, uh, the around the table portion of the show, um, Patrick led in with some rather interesting uh, Star Wars conversation. Now, I will say this in the interest of full disclosure. We did pick up the conversation from that point. And about 35 minutes later, we decided that's way too much content not talking about Andrew. (laughs) So um, that is all going to be released to our patrons only. There is some really, really good conversation, lively discussion about Star Wars, among other things, but primarily Star Wars. Um, So if you want to hear that discussion, if you want to see that video, you got to hop onto our patron uh, channel and become a a patron. So uh, there you go. That's the that's the little quick uh, elevator pitch for you. Go and do that. Um, So we're going to pick up the conversation from somewhere completely different. And that's going to be to say, Andrew, tell us what has been going on since last we talked about all of your work. I mean, yeah, because I guess usually I come in for 10 minutes, talk about a comic I love, and then just disappear. Right. Um, yeah. Back in, you just kind of fade away into the, into the <laughs> yeah. ethos. Yeah, I show up with a book, and then I drop it on the table, and then just wiggle out. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> wiggle? Yeah, yeah, like a, I don't know, like a slink, maybe. I don't know. Um, <laughs> What, what's no, going that, on? That, is, that doesn't sound right. We <laughs> talked so long about Star Wars. I'm I'm just really thinking about that now. So, um, <laughs> what's going on with me? I think I guess books is the big thing. Like I I got a or I had a couple of picture books come out recently. Yeah, I'm like busy pitching more um, and kind of doing my own kind of freelance stuff. Um, I guess for those who kind of kept track with what my kind of general structure is I was teaching part-time um and that was kind of the offset to my freelance work um but this semester I'm not teaching um so strictly self-employed or strictly kind of uh, illustrating full-time so that's that's where I'm at that's what I'm up to is just kind of like living the dream I don't know yeah <laughs> living my dream I guess well it's definitely a dream yeah, yeah so so let's jump in um We've talked a bit before this episode about maybe how we wanted to focus the conversation. So, Andrew, you've been on the show um, several times. I mean, yeah. basically more than anyone else, other like sans us. And uh, so, yeah. you know, it's true. We, we, we've talked about a lot of the surface level stuff. We've talked about what you do and maybe some of the process and how you do, your, you know, your approach and things like that. Um, so what we want to do today is, is go a different direction and, uh, maybe talk about something that people are curious about, 
but maybe don't don't ask or don't get a chance to ask. And that's we we want to talk about money. That that's sure. where we want to focus today. And, and so especially, I mean, this this is it's timely for you. You're transitioning from from having a job, having having the maybe security that that comes with that 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 someone else is a, is responsible maybe for your paycheck to some degree, to now that entire weight falls on you. And 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 then there's other conversations within this, which is maybe how how you. Um, how you decide to bill, how, how you you structure agreements, and and how you follow up, and all those things. So, let's let's pick a point and dive in. So yeah. so maybe talk about um, that transition, having to now carry that that weight of it yourself. Uh, what is going through your head, and and what are the the pros and cons of that 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 you're weighing in order to make that decision? Yeah, I think so. I think the biggest thing is, um, and and I, well, I think the first thing I'll say is obviously this is my experience and, and not in any way representative of like all freelancers or all Canadian artists. I don't know, all people named Andrew. It's you're it's, speaking on behalf of yourself, and that's as far as you can speak. Yeah. So I think Fair. for me, yeah, perfect. So I think for me, the big thing was I really wanted to. I think with any kind of like major jump, the thing that a lot of people kind of didn't warn me about, or I think I had to realize on my own was I was so busy. Let's say I was teaching and so busy with freelance that I kind of was, was being pulled too thin. Like I was, I was doing 25 hours of work in, in 20. Um, but once I took one part of it out, then that 25 hours of work now became 15 hours within 20. So the, the, the first kind of leap is always going to be the kind of like lowest point because you're inevitably taking out a large chunk of your, in, I guess, in the realm of money income, right? So you now have to kind of build that up to something that is stable on your own. Um, so I guess for me, the big kind of learning curve was that big leap and being so busy that you need to make a break is going to be immediately followed by you're not busy enough. Um, and that is scary. I think, uh, not just for me, but for anybody who's willing to, to kind of do that because it's a bunch of, the, it's a big kind of black sea of the unknown. Um, so I think the first kind of step is to be prepared for, or to get as far into that kind of like overload before you break something off. Um, so I think if you just find you're a little busy with your full-time job in freelance, I think you're going to be really under, uh, like under not staffed, but like you're not going to have definitely enough work mm. once you sure. go full freelance. Yeah. I mean, if you're working 40 hours a week at a job, then the reality is there's now 40 hours that aren't accounted for. Right. Right. Um, and I was lucky that I was transitioning from full-time to part-time now to strictly freelance. Um, I also tell my students, or I used to tell my students, that it's totally okay to have a job that's unrelated to the creative industry. Uh, I think because or like the thing you want to do for freelance. Um, and I think because you burn up so much energy during your day job, if it's a creative field that when you get home to do that yourself, just feels like more of what you've already done. Mm. So I think I, well, the other thing I was trying to do was find work that was related or relevant, but not the exact same, like teaching in my freelance really used two different parts of my brain that, um, that's why I could do so much of it. Like I could spend extra hours doing lesson plans and extra hours doing my own work because they were so different. Mm. Um, <laughs> I think it's like when I eat too much having dinner, but then I always still have room for dessert. It's like, well, I mean, <laughs> like it's different now, so I can totally justify it. Sure. It's different food. Yeah. So, so I think that's it too. So what are, so now, now being in, in this fully 
freelance world. Yeah. Um, what what are the things that you personally have to account for? So what are if someone right now is about to make the transition, and uh, maybe there's things they don't consider, whether it's taxes or oh. healthcare or you know I have to be mindful of this piece or that piece or you know, I might finish a project and not get paid for 60 days. What are those things that, that you now have to be aware of that maybe you didn't have to think about before? Yeah, because I think like everything just scales up, right? Like if you're working freelance and you have two or three jobs on your own and they don't pay for three weeks, it's not a big deal because you still have full time income. Right. Um, so when you're just freelance, that's that's it. So I think the big thing that I was really making sure of was that I had as many like months of uh stability that if like, let's say I got no work now for the next six months, would I still literally be able to survive? Um, and that was kind of my big thing. Um, and I guess maybe that's also something to figure out is what is like, what are your base needs mm. before you kind of go to freelance? I mean, I'm also like, uh, like unmarried. My only kind of dependent is my cat who is a very low impact on my <laughs> monthly uh, sure. costs. Um, so, it's very easy for me to be able to figure out how much I need per month to cover basic necessities. Yeah. Um, and then try to figure out, can I, can I live off of what I have for three, four, six months, or at least figure out how many months you could live off of that before you decide to pull the plug. Um, because for a while you're going to be chipping away at that. Like I said, like if you were going from 40 hours plus 20 hours of freelance, now you're just doing 20 hours of freelance. Like that's half of what you need. So Right. Really planning out, like storing for the winter, I guess. Um, I think that's the big thing. Like, I guess taxes are things to consider too. Um, the delay in getting paid, like, I think all of that is also help um, offset by having different streams of income, I guess, mm. is a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, so I think most artists at this point have seen that others have like a shop and then they'll also do client work, maybe commissions. Right. Um, but I think you really kind of have to be willing to be responsible for everything. Like sure. it's all on you if you Can don't I, have work. Um, right. Can I ask you a yeah. question about the, the, the pay schedule and stuff like that? How, Cause there's a couple different, um, ways that people go about it and sure. ever it works better for different situations for every person. And I just want to kind of what you thought about it. Some people are, they don't give the final files until it's paid. They get half up front or they uh, do a 30 day or they do 60 day or whatever. Kind of what are your thoughts on, on those different things and what have you kind of landed on or is it different per project? I think I, what I usually try to do is if it's a, if it's a new client, I really try to, give them the benefit of the doubt, but also really temper the, my risk. Like I will ask for a deposit upfront. Um, and that way, if it takes them six months to pay that second half or 70% or whatever is still left, then it's at least I haven't done it all for completely free. Um, but usually after two or three jobs with someone and, and I, and I, I think most of my work is with clients, like repeat clients or repeat collaborators that I kind of know what to expect. Like I know there are clients that, uh, every time I remind them or check in that um, I've sent an invoice, they'll, they they never got it, and then I have to, and then I send it again, and that's fine because like I know that it's, that it's like they're not intentionally doing it to spite me, like it's just the nature of how they work. Mm. Um, so I think the big thing is keeping track and kind of keeping records to kind of say, oh, 
the last two times I built this person, um, it was, I gave them 30 days, but they always paid 45 or they always paid in two months. So that way you kind of know what to expect and can plan for that. So I guess the whole thing with, for me, for freelance is I also keep a lot of records. Like there's a lot of kind of note keeping that I keep track of so I can try to figure out or see patterns. Um, so I don't know. Did that answer it? I think yeah, my big no, thing that's is, good. Yeah, yeah, I usually do 30 days. Um, and some clients I know will be longer. Some clients I know send the check out the same day. And, mm-hmm. and that's just kind of the nature of working with individuals. Sure. I'll, yeah, I'll throw my uh, hat in the ring real quick for part of that question as well. Yeah. For um, uh, Now I'm on the website, not on uh, your site, but I'm sure there's a lot of similarities as far as this goes. Mm-hmm. For uh, for probably medium to large size projects, now the, the amount of deposits going to change, but generally what happens is that, like, let's assume that you know the project's going to take X amount of time. Let's just say 20 units of time. Like, it doesn't matter if that's days or weeks or whatever, just like 20 units of time then the deposit would represent either 50% of that or 25% of that, depending on the size of the job. And then the, the way it's structured is that, um, and again, this is in my experience, just to give you an idea of another way to handle it, you would bill against the deposit. So basically the deposit is a pool of money you're billing against. And then as soon as that runs out, then at that point, you can then bill as you go. So that, that's another way some people handle it, or they will bill against it, and then once it runs out, then they will require another payment. So like if you're going to have a long project that's going to span a couple months, maybe you don't want to have to wait four months to get paid for it. When right. like you have to live in the meantime. So that may be a way that you handle it sure. is to have a portion of that up front. And again, that's a pool that you're just billing against. Right. And then like, yeah, as I said before. So. And I think that cool. also goes into the nature of your work versus mine and that like well, and maybe that's another conversation. Do you generally bill like with an hourly rate or do you bill based on piecework? Like this website will cost X dollars or it'll be between X and Y because I have to figure out the hours. Yeah. So let me, okay. So this is a really large conversation that I'm going to try to keep small because I okay. want to keep it focused on you. Um, it depends. The, the, the reason time makes sense some, uh, in many cases is because people don't know what's required. So someone wants to say, how much does a website cost? And the thing is, they, they don't understand. They have a hard time. Like all of us can say, like, what's a good deal and a bad deal for a carton of eggs? Or like some, or like gas right. at the gas pump. Who's we, wheeling we, and dealing for eggs? You'd <laughs> no, be I'm surprised just, that the market eggs. is crazy. Yeah, the market. The underground I'm egg market is we nuts. Have, there are things that we do understand what they cost right. or why they cost yeah. what they do. But a lot of times with web, like people don't, they don't understand it at a level to understand that. And so you have to attach it to something people do understand sure. and that's time. Right. And and they can understand it because maybe their job pays them based on the amount of time they spend or whatever it is. So you just have to take something that allows people to associate the value mm-hmm. and then you can charge an hourly rate or something based on that. Now, there are things that are more valuable than the hourly rate spent, certainly. Right. Um, and so some clients, they are value-based or, y- you know, whatever it is. You know, I, I well, I'll, I'll skip the anecdotes right now. So the point is, it's a client-by-client thing. Time is just a way of connecting value. But there are other factors. that That's just kind of where the time fits in. But, but I'll say that more and more, it's I'm doing value-based billing, or I'm doing like project uh, billing and 
in not focusing so much on the the actual amount of hours right. it takes to like actually accomplish it because sometimes i invest more mm-hmm. than maybe what the hourly rate will be sometimes i invest less sometimes i get to invest less because you know i think of um um i, I want to say his name because i don't want to um yeah, I want to be respectful. Um, where's this guy? Well, I just won't say it. David Clayton. That's what it is. David Clayton, the company that he works for, they, they build tools for Illustrator. And so by making these tools for Illustrator, they are creating for themselves an advantage, a time advantage. Sure. Right. So it doesn't make sense. Like their, their benefit, the thing they get in return is that they get to make more money for less in time less time invested. Sure. And so those are cases where if you're efficient or you're developing tools, you should be rewarded for doing that. As opposed to which penalized, is, right. As opposed to being penalized of, hey, great, you're super efficient, therefore now you have to do 30% more work than everyone right, else right. to get the same paycheck. So that's so for someone that's listening, thinking like, oh, you, you overbill people, that's not the idea. The idea is that I'm trying to create like – I'm working hard to create an advantage for myself in a lane. Right. So, well, so, and that also comes down to experience too, right? Like 10 years from now, you will know more than you do today that yeah. either your hourly rate will go up to reflect that it's going to take you two hours. What this year could have taken you 10 just because of scale. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't make sense. And, and I th- yeah, and I think that makes sense for kind of the sort of realm that you're working in, like it, for illustration, I mean, if I do a cover for a magazine, whether it takes me two hours or it takes someone else who's doing pen and ink 14 hours, it's still valued to the magazine the same. Right. Um, so at the end of the day, that's where most of my work tends to be quoted out um, based on the value to the client. Um, right. Because it just makes more sense. Like, it, it does. I mean, like we're saying, if I'm efficient because I've been drawing for 10 years or because I know how to get to the right concept in my first two sketches. It doesn't make sense to then lose money on that. Right. Um, and you know, yeah. So that was, so that was the conversation that we, we started that before we even started recording. And this is kind of why we are doing this today. Um, you made a distinction on the value or, or you said something about is, you know, billing, for an advertising project versus uh, a different kind of freelance project or a poster or, or something else. And maybe, maybe tell a little bit what that distinction is for you and then kind of what that value is. If you want to go into any more, I think you kind of just hit on it a little bit, but is oh, there any yeah. more you want to say about it? I think it? The, the big thing is, is for advertising, for publishing, like even let's say I'm doing a book cover design, it'll be very different for a publisher where they're making 5,000 copies versus 20,000 copies. So even if I'm spending the same amount of time doing the same number of concepts, it's worth more to the company that's selling 20,000 copies than it is to the company that's selling five. Um, I mean, like that 5,000 copy book could end up becoming a New York Times bestseller and, and they have to go and do 20 print runs. Um, but at the time of you quoting, if you know kind of the scope of what the project is, you should be quoting accordingly. Mm. Um, so even if you are new, even if you are not as experienced, you may want to reduce your rates or look at the standard rate and take a percentage off. But at the end of the day, even if it's like, if, if Nokia is coming to you because they want to do an ad campaign and they love your style and they want it to be the face of this next, uh, product mm-hmm. then you are still valuable enough to them that you should be paid based on the industry not based on your experience and, and that's where kind of books and research and talking to your peers is important 
Yeah. Um, so bring it back to me. Yes, a hundred percent. Like if I know that the, the end use is going to be of a certain scale, then I think that's going to be considered when I quote for the project. Sure. Um, which is also why like doing private commissions is really tricky because like, the value to them is really high, but right. it's also not like the, it's not going to have the reach. Like it's, it's tricky. Like I, yeah, quoting private commissions is probably the hardest thing I do because to them it's worth the, the, the it's weight in gold, but their mm. budget is probably also like nominal compared to a, like a publishing firm, right? Like it's just sure. a different industry. So yeah, it's hard. It yeah, sense. it's hard. Um, I think my big thing when quoting something or when looking at any project is figuring out, like, is it going to be something that I'm going to enjoy? Is it going to be something that I'm going to get paid for? Like, like is it just like fiscal? Like, I, I, I admittedly take enough projects that um, I may not ever show or like put in my portfolio. Um, I'm so proud of, but it's not this type of work that I want to do more of outside of that client. Sure. Um, but it pays the bills and that's okay too. Like, I think if it's, if part of your, uh, portfolio, like, or your work portfolio is that kind of work, then that's fine. Um, but if it's not going to give you like fiscal stability and it's not going to give you like personal satisfaction, if it's not one or the other, then I don't know why you do it. Sure. Um, I mean, I'm not saying there's right or wrong. If, if you have another like opinion, I want to talk about it. Um, but I think that's kind of how I look at a project. Like maybe it's going to pay really well, but I'm not going to be putting in my portfolio or on my site um, or vice versa. Like the private commissions, I may make $50 of it or uh, out of it. But at the end of the day, if it's something that I love and I get full control over and I get to put on my site and it gets you more work, then that's okay too. Yeah. So how does that work then when you're, when you're dealing with like when you're dealing with, uh, you are now, um, right, wrong or indifferent. You are in the kids book sphere now right right? i mean okay so yeah the the projects that you take on um publicly versus privately is there an extra layer of criticism not even not criticism is is there an extra layer of um filter that your work has to go through now for yourself to to uphold some predetermined or uh, or otherwise version of yourself because you are now in the kids like the children's illustrate illustrated book sphere that didn't matter as much when you were doing primarily gallery work. Does that question right, like, make sense? Yeah. Like, am I cur- do I now have to curate my work more because of the world I'm kind of working in? Yes. I mean, in theory, yes. Uh, but I think. Part of why I got into or part of how my work got me into that sphere was because that's naturally what I gravitated towards. Mm. Um, Like I know there was one project that I got approached to do. It was like an animation. So I would just be doing the assets, but it was for a game that looked cute, but was super violent, like uh, kind of like a happy tree friends or like early South Park type thing where that contrast was the big selling point. Um, and admittedly, I like I I personally didn't want to do it, um, and I didn't want to kind of be associated with that sort of violence. Um, so I mean, yes, I guess it's curating, but it's also because 
my I, I've directed my work towards what I just kind of feel comfortable with and what I feel passionately about, um, which I think is a kind of maybe the goal of most artists to kind of get the sort of work that you want to do. Um, so I think that's maybe part of it. Mm. I, 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 so I guess it's a natural selection. Like I, I don't get given certain jobs because I don't do certain work. And because I don't do that work, I don't get like, it, it's just self-fulfilling. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. And we, we've heard that. I mean, we've heard that a thousand times from our conversations with, with other people, but it seems like literally in the last two months, we've heard that with just about every single person that we've talked to that oh, yeah, idea okay. of the work that you do uh, creates the work that you continue to do and like the work. So I was just wondering if like, if we're get, you know, getting, getting real, getting real yeah, talk yeah. now, you're, you're freelance only now you're, you are responsible for making your money and you've got to get out there and you've got to hustle it. Yeah. And someone comes to you and they have a project for you that not, not unsavory in the sense that it's like, you know, you, you know what I mean? Not yeah, an yeah. extreme version of that, but you also know um, it's not going to be something that, that you're, you're getting ready to pitch another book to the right. children's, you know, to the children's uh, book. Yeah. People. I have an eyes wide shut commission. I would like, right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, do, do you still take that for the money and you just don't post it? I mean, yeah, I think it would depend. Cause like, so I think, so eyes wide shut is a good example that I think if I was given that commission, if they're asking me to do it, they kind of know how I'm going to interpret it. Like mm. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to give them something I mean, it just depends. Like, I'm going to give them kind of my version of that. So if that's what they wanted, then I think everybody wins. I um, want that. I, I'm serious. <laughs> I, I think that'd be great, but go ahead. No, and that's great. I think that's fine, too. But I, so I guess, so Andrew, the, the long and short of your question is, yes, I would still take it, but I think it would need to be clear that what they're looking for is what I can do well. Cause I think whether it's like getting paid or not, I also feel like I I'm lucky or I really kind of aggressively pursue the projects that I think I could still give them something that they're happy with. Like, I think if the client said, do you know what we, we really want? Um, like a cuphead, like, or uh, well, like rubber hose, like 1920s style aesthetic. I think I could do that even if it's not my usual flair. Um, but if they wanted, uh, I don't know what's a good example, like eighties, um, like garbage pail kids or something like that, where it's like really overtly gross, um, fun, but overtly gross. I don't know if I'd be able, I don't know if I'd be the right pick for that. Sure. That so makes sense. I'd talk to them, but I probably wouldn't be able to take that project. I feel like you'd be a great fit. All right. So <laughs> I, I want to touch on one other thing real quick. Um, and maybe this isn't, it's, it's kind of tied in. Okay, you're familiar with Tracy Chink? Uh, not offhand, but give me a point of reference. Um, you will have seen her work. That's your frame of reference. Yeah, I don't. No, it's, okay, it's, are uh, you familiar very, with Daniel it's... Danger? Yeah. Daniel Danger is a good example. And I, I love both these artists, by the way. They don't, have the, they don't have the same style at all, but they're both No, no, intricate. they don't have the same style. But what I'm trying to say is they do very detailed pieces. Okay, yeah. Okay. But when I, I think about what this stuff sells, uh, sales, uh, what this stuff sells for, it's kind of in the same ballpark as maybe something you would produce or, or someone else. Oh, yeah. And I'm just curious, is there a part of you that, A, feels like those suckers have to spend way more time than I have to spend to make the same money? And B, where you think, 
maybe I could make my style a bit more simplistic, you know, and, and maybe squeeze out push, a little bit more dollar those, value. Push those boundaries to where a face <laughs> is literally just a block. Right. <laughs> I think, yes. I, so I think, but I think it works the other way. Like, I think I see that work or I see, um, shoot, I can't think. Uh, he did the Star Wars, like the column of the Kevin Tong. Of, Kevin Tong. Thank you. So I look at any of his pieces and go, how... Wait, wait. That? Yes. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. Um, so I look at that and go, man, how how do I get to that? Like, how could I be better like that? Because I think they're deserving what they're getting paid. Um, so it's yeah, it's just imposter syndrome. Um, so do I do I try to like cut corners? Mm, no, because again, I think like the work you put out is still going to be the type of work or the stuff that people want you to do more of. So I'd rather do something that I'm enjoying if I'm going to have to keep doing it. Sure. Um and then do I think they're suckers? No. Cause I, I think the other part is they're also getting very different projects. Like if you look at the, the properties that they're doing or the sorts of the work that they're doing very different from mine. And I think actually Mondo is a great example of that. Like the sorts of movies I do for, or the sorts of posters I do for them are very different because, uh, like a, like a Kim and Tong doesn't, not that it doesn't make sense, but it just, it isn't the right fit. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's just kind of really kind of sticking to your guns and doing what you think is 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 I, I think, your best work. I think we would be surprised if we looked at your like if if we were able to you know step back and see this is the amount of time that Daniel Danger spends on a piece. This is the amount of time you spend on a piece. While your style is is seemingly simpler, quote unquote, mm-hmm. than his, you probably spend just as much time in in color and texture that he doesn't necessarily have to have because his is more, he has color and gradient and, and intricate line work. But when you go into much texture and stuff, it's not quite there because it's all, it's all textured from, from line work more than actual other textures that go into it. So I'd be interested to see like time for time. I imagine you guys are spending maybe similar, um, because again, he does that type of work all the time. So he's learned how to be fast in it. So, right. so I, I don't think detail may necessarily equates in an hourly rate. Maybe detail doesn't does equate to the same con- amount of time. Does someone want to confirm or deny what Luke is saying may have truth? What do you mean? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, we, we all tend to become efficient at the thing that we do That's day in and day saying. out. Right. That doesn't necessarily, I mean, to, to say it, it can go either way. I mean, to say that, uh, Daniel Danger's piece takes more time because it's more intricate is I think the same amount of speculation that Luke would say that saying he and, and Andrew Kolb take the same amount of time. I, I think it's well, both, I, it's spoken both from a place of not knowing actually, how long it exactly, takes. Exactly, right. Well, there are projects we do know. I mean, I, I won't say specifically which ones, but there are people we've talked to about releases that say, oh yeah, I spent four hours on that. And then right. maybe... 20 minutes picking out colors for a variant. And then we've talked to other people that dropped 120 hours into a print. And yeah, then when right. they both go to sell, they're within $15 of each other. So yeah. we we have talked to people where there is a huge disparity in the amount of time spent. And so my question is not to say that specifically this person spends more time. It's just to, to beg the question you know, have you ever considered um, right. simplifying on some level in order for the time spent to have a greater dollar value attached to it? 
you know, maybe you've chosen not to over deliver for a client uh, or maybe push a piece as far as you could have um, because it just, you know, for whatever reason, I, I yeah, don't know how I, much you're thinking about that. No, I no, I think that's a fair question. I think that's also something that does happen. Maybe not as, uh, I don't want to say aggressively, maybe not as overtly or consciously as, yeah. as possible. But I think, I think on some level, if, if I know a client is looking for, um, or if their budget is X and they need a drawing of something else, then I, because I've done enough drawings or I've, I've made my work enough times, I know, oh, if I do this, then it's pretty, like, I think efficiently, um, yeah. or I think about the process while I'm drawing it. Um, or it, it's, maybe that's also as simple as just not trying something new with this project. Like, I find a lot of my personal work tends to be the thing where I try to experiment or try something different. One, because if a client says no, it's not time lost. But two, it's also because I know I will get it done within my like allotted time for it. Sure. Um, yeah. So yeah, it may not be as so much as like I'm simplifying to save on hours, but it's definitely um, I will the concepts I send them will be ones that I know I can do as mm. opposed to ones that I am not sure about. Um, sure. So maybe it's, it's not the exact answer, but I think that's maybe how I solve that problem. There might be others that definitely yeah. do think that way, and I'd be interested to hear that. Um, I think that's a really smart approach, and I think that's why we're why we're having this extended conversation with you. We're at this place now where we can ask these questions, and people have heard from you at least on our show. Um, they've heard about your work, and a, a little bit of the method behind it is really helpful, especially especially for some of our audience who is trying to be in this field and or is in this field and trying to be better at it or oh, yeah. um you know whatever so with that let's shift to our finals we don't usually get to do final questions with yeah. you yeah no i know i usually just disappear and say goodbye know, you just you just go away um but we'll shift to finals and uh, i'll let uh one of the other guys take it i'm i'm happy to um so um oh don't tell me i'm going to forget my final question that i was so excited to ask I, oh my gosh! You don't need uh, us to tell you because you. No, yeah, you I realize. think everybody's telling you that right now. Luke, Hold do on. you have yours on deck? Luke, Patrick do yours so I re-remember mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, yeah. I mean, my final is it's. I mean, it's. I think we've kind of already covered some of it. Um, so when you're when you're figuring out for a client, um, like what they need or what they're asking for, there's a little bit of the, uh, for most clients, you're, you're trying to help them get to a point where maybe they, they don't know uh, what they're asking for necessarily. You know, we've all, right. all had those projects. Um, how, do, how does that work for you monetarily? So you're putting, you're putting time um, into producing uh, content for them, but there's also the time of, maybe ideating with them is there is do you count that as just your production time or is that something separate of of more of a concepting uh is there a differentiation with you do you understand my question yeah i it's funny because i think until now i've never considered actually billing for that uh -huh. <laughs> for that time like it's always just been the the amount of like either the emails or the meetings or everything leading up to us signing the contract to say let's start this project right. has always just been to me the equivalent of like cold calling or getting work 
Um, so it's yeah. just like, I can't, I could never bill anyone for looking up the directory and emailing right. uh, random people to say, do you want to work together? Um, so I've never considered that. Um, I think, how do I prepare or lead into that? Uh, it's with way too many questions. Like I'm constantly like, by the time we sign, I know that, uh, or we have something clearly communicated enough that, uh, if I deliver it and they're not happy with it, it's because they didn't tell me something or uh-huh. because they misunderstood. And then, then we have that conversation. Sure. Um, so do I bill for that or do I like a lot time for that? Uh, no, I guess I don't, I don't bill for that. Um, do I use that as a, like a litmus for what the relationship is going to be like? For sure. Mm. If they have no idea what they want or they have no idea of the sense of budget, then I really go into that conversation cautiously because if they don't have any sense, then I don't feel like they've done any research. Mm. Um, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that, but it also just means it's going to be more work for me to fill them in or to make sure that we're both on the same page. Yeah. It's going to be more of an uphill battle. Yeah. And sometimes that's okay. But I also look, admittedly, I also look at the clients I have and, and I can only take on so many of those at a time because just like anything, they, each relationship requires a different amount of energy. And if I take on too many of those, I'm drained because it's just a lot of either emails or handholding or admin that is not what I want to, like, I just want to be drawing all the time. Right. So I really try to temper that. Have you ever gotten Um, to a in into those like pre meetings or whatever before you actually you know sign a contract where you go doesn't sound like you guys are quite ready with the concept yet can we can we hold off until you are or is that not something that's that- Patrick's uh, final question by the way he just took it <laughs> no I I remembered mine uh, so have I gone to that I think what I've gotten to is saying this is what I think you need and if they say no we think we need this or we're not sure yet then I will then I'm usually able to say like okay well this is where I'm at. If you have a counterpoint, then that's fine. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you like, if you're just saying no, but not giving me a solution, then I usually take that as a cue to exit. Gotcha. Um, and I have done that. So to answer your question, yes, I have also done that. Sure. Um, but it's with less and less frequency because I think, I feel like I've gotten better at communicating and asking sure. questions, um, yep. and really making sure that I know where they want to go. Um, so yeah, it's happened. Um, but it's rare if I stick with it. So if I have the time and energy to do, to get them there, then it's a high success rate of getting us to a good spot. Cool. All right, Patrick, go for it, man. Okay, Patrick. Okay. So let's, uh, let's pay it forward. The idea is advice to the next person. So you've made your transition Mm-hmm. And now maybe a month from now, someone is going to make theirs. What is something that you didn't do or you messed up or you forgot or didn't know about that you would say, hey, next guy or girl, mm-hmm. make sure you do this? Um, okay. I think in this, fir- in this most recent leap, I didn't do it. But in previous leaps, like from going from full time to part time, I-, I didn't realize this was that there are waves um, and that you have to kind of be proactive or use those waves as efficiently as possible. So when work is busy, you don't have time to post your work and you don't have time to kind of cold email. And I don't know if this is new. Uh, inform- it's certainly not, but it's definitely what I needed to hear, um, which is when you're busy, the last thing you're thinking about is getting more work. Um, but once you finish it and you don't have anything on the horizon or you only have one project that's ongoing, you have to be willing to put yourself out there and change gears and not just expect that the work is going to keep going. Um, 
and also recognize that it's not a straight meritocracy. Like it's not, if I put out this work, I will get this much money. Um, it's kind of more, I found to be more like a stepladder where you kind of plateau for a while and then you think that I'm just stuck, but then someone shares your work or you get a new project or someone else sees something and then you kind of get to this new level. Um, and then you kind of plateau there and you ride that way for a while and then it kind of goes up again. So, and then you hit into a level. Right. <laughs> sure. I mean, like, whatever, if it's a, for me, it's a stepladder. For some people, it's a great staircase. <laughs> um, but either way, I think uh, what I, and I still need to remind myself of this, is just to kind of keep going um, with work that you love, just whether it's personal swimming. projects just or emailing swimming. people. Yeah. So that's yeah. a perfect segue into my final question then. So we've talked uh, a lot about your process and a lot about uh, the, the ins and outs of, of how you do what you do. Um, what's next for you? We, we, we know that recently you've shifted to doing a lot of stuff with the children on the children's book scene. Um, what's next for you? What's on the bucket list or something that you're maybe even already in the process of working on that you can share, maybe not give all the details, but, um, we're, we're rounding out 2017, right? 2017 is, is about a month and a half away from being gone. What does 2018 hold for fans of Andrew Kolb? Um, so I think the, the simple answer is like more books, like as, as, as the kind of like small scale life goals as it is. Like, I think I just like to kind of keep building my library, um, and being able to tell different stories, um, outside of that realm. Um, I'd like to be able to get to the point where I'd, I'd like to be able to table or go to a con and have like enough work to be able to sustain that. Nice. Um, and maybe get into like dimensional stuff. Like, so pie in the sky, my big picture answer is like, I'd love, I just did those racers. I don't know, like for the month of October, like yes. that yeah. series, yeah. um, something like that. I'd love to make like a series of basically like happy meal toys. Yeah. Like little car racers type. That's thing. a great answer. Um, Please do that. Yeah. I don't know how I get there. Well, but figured that's, out. I mean, basically I, I will put that out into the universe. So if Ask someone hears Chris it, Chris Lee or Gary Ham. We can hook yeah. you up with some people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So perfect. Um, uh, yeah. Okay, so, so that's my answer. Toys. All right. Yeah, dude. That's well, cool. Tell I was hoping augmented reality was going to be on there, but we'll keep fingers true. crossed. Oh. Tell everybody where they can find the work that we've talked about. Um, very little in this episode, but that uh, where they can see all the work that you do and follow you. Uh, that's okay. Yeah. My website is kolbisneat.com. Um, and that's my handle on all of my social media. Um, so that's a good way to find me. I mean, if you're li- on listening to this and on the Slack, I'm sure I could answer more pointed or very, like very specific to you questions that if you ever have a question, just mention me and I will appear. Um, <laughs> it's true. I'm always there. Just always in the shadows. Andrew, uh, as always, you're one of the, one of the greatest guys to chat with. We're so thrilled that you have, uh, stuck around and, uh, for whatever reason, stayed friends with us all these, uh, yeah. years at this point. I mean, we've been, we've been chatting that's on this crazy show for to like think about. two yeah. years or more wow. at this point. So dang, that's, uh, man, we need to get you an anniversary gift. Yeah. Um, really. but, uh, but the exchange rate to send it to Canada, once you come down here, we'll give, we'll give you one. Um, <laughs> 
But, uh, but man, thank you so much. Check out Andrew's work. Uh, it's, it's awesome. We have a, an incredible guest coming up this Thursday. So if you don't subscribe, go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss out on that. Um, but you can find this episode on mf1podcast.com where you can also find show notes and links to all the stuff. If you're watching this on YouTube, all that stuff is right below us. Share the video, like the video, um, post it, let everyone know that it's happening because you, you want to hear from Andrew Kolb, not from us. We're, we're, we're just dumb, but he's great. So you want to share this video. If you're on iTunes um, or what is it? It's Apple podcast. Yes, now. Yep. If you're on Apple podcast, make sure you subscribe to the episode on there or su- subscribe to the show as well on there. rate and review doesn't cost any money, but it helps us out a ton. If you do want to throw a couple dollars into the old bucket um, to see the other lost footage, it's not lost, but the additional footage that is uh, a lot of fun in a conversation with Andrew, uh, go over to patreon.com slash of one podcast to become a patron. Um, I have two new reviews. Do you want to hear them? We yes. do want to hear the reviews. Yeah. All right, here we go. So two, um, one is called pizza for your brain and your heart. I love that. That's it. That's up for case. It says pizza. Uh, I love it. Five stars by at bear brains. That's right. Aww. Mr. Nate, oh, Nate bear. bear. Nate bear. Thanks. And, uh, he, this is supposed to be read in your best Scottish Ellen DeGeneres voice. I don't even know what take, that means. Take it away. Andrew Kolb. Wait, but I, I have to tell you what to say. No, you read it, Patrick. Yep. I don't know who Ellen DeGeneres is. Who is she? She's the TV uh, host. Yeah. Drew Carey. No. <laughs> okay, I'll give you I'll give you we'll do line by line. Okay. So Andrew, I'll tell you the first line. The first line is this podcast has all the mustard you could ever need. And now I, I don't need know to how to do it. it. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just you Scottish do it. Scottish Ellen DeGeneres. Scottish Ellen DeGeneres doesn't exist, so it's just like silence. So just take it away. Ooh. Patrick, just do it. You got it. What what does Scottish people sound like? I'm from uh, Scotland, man. <laughs> you are killing me. Wait, what? Potatoes. Is that what they say? That's Is that Irish. right? That's Irish. That's Irish. Oh, oh, you know the difference between Irish and Scottish? Yes. Yeah. Most, most everybody They're does. They're different actually, countries. Yeah. I yep. feel like Scrooge McDuck is Scottish. Is that right? He is, he yeah. is Scottish, yeah. What does he sound like? He sounds I mean, like Scrooge I... McDuck. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Scrooge McDuck. Yes. yes. William there, Wallace. You got it. Freaking got it, man. This podcast. No, it's, it's gone. You got that it. Was you it. got it. You got it. Keep going. You got it. We Scrooge McDuck. If I start with that, then I can't Do finish it. every line. Else. Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> this podcast. Yeah, no, you're great. As all the mustard you could ever need. Yeah. Is that yeah, so yeah, Scottish? Yeah, you're good. doing yeah, it. You're doing you it. This it. is everything and, we need. And to believe be. me. Oh, nope. You got it. Scrooge McDuck. And believe me. <laughs> <laughs> you need a lot of oh i can't say a lot of mustard say mustard in scottish mustard that's, isn't that, that like romanian good. no that's no that's pretty that's Must, pretty good mustard that's more mustard. romanian this podcast okay. yeah all right well that's good okay that's close enough and then the next one is that was the whole thing yeah it was only two lines that's the reason i was trying to get you all to go line by line <laughs> oh. well maybe you, give wait, us the whole so you wouldn't time. have to do a line Yes, you foiled my, and instead neither of you helped me. Yep. So some friends you no, are. No, no, we we all helped you collectively. You just couldn't do Scrooge it. Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> That's really good. Yeah, okay. That's really good. That's it's, way better than your Scottish Morgan is Freeman. almost Next better than his Morgan Freeman. Next time someone asks me to say that, um, okay, Scrooge McDuck the... podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 
nothing. Uh, some of the best hosts, another five stars. This is by Stokes Design. Hmm. Do we know a Stokes? Next, yeah, John I think Stokes. Maybe we know Stokes. a John Stokes, a Spanky Stokes. We know a Spanky Stokes. I think we actually know a couple Stokes. <laughs> um, okay. Patrick, Luke, and Andrew are great hosts who steer compelling interviews. Now, here's the thing. It's, steer- Andrew, it's Andrew Kolb, though. No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was a preemptive. Yeah, it was preemptive based on this episode. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. steer compelling interviews with some of the top creatives on a weekly basis. In addition, their reviews of art, film, television, and games have steered me to discover a lot of cool things since I started listening. Steer is spelled S T E R. I don't know if that's correct, but it makes me think of beef. So when you say I steered you, it just sounds like I fed you a steak. Oh, I like um, steak. Throw in the new to be video fair, though, format. You're always thinking of beef. <laughs> yeah, that's actually what you've learned. And eggs. <laughs> Throw in the new video format and the community surrounding them, and this makes it one of my top three podcasts to listen to. Well, thanks. Now we get to guess the other two. Nerdist. Mm. Yeah, and the soon-to-be-released Kolb is neat. Yes, neat podcast. with Kolb. Is what it, yeah. Or maybe just like every podcast I've been featured on, like all the episodes with you, Squared Co. <laughs> yes. That's yeah, it. it's just those. It's those, just those in progression <laughs> and then, and then to our regular To be fair, if he show. released one, it'd be called Podcast is Neat. Podcast yes, 100%. Is neat. Or yeah. maybe Colba's Podcast? I don't know. No, Ooh. it'd be Podcast is Neat. No, you're right. Hey. So it's kind of like the Nerdist, but it's the Colbest? Can we, just make, can we just do this? Off air, remind me to tell you an idea that just spawned in my head. I don't want to say it on air because I don't want someone to take it. But it's about Spawn. Ooh, Spawn. That's a great comic. Okay, anyway, check with us on the internet. That's not how I would say that. Follow us. Check in with us on the internet. M of One Podcast on all the different social platforms. Dude, your Rob Uh, Jones pin. I just noticed you're still wearing that. That's just good. Oh, my gosh. I like that it's... Nope. Matt Taylor. He killed it this year. Matt Taylor. Mitch Putnam. You have to do a Mitch Putnam next Rob year. Jones he is doing pin. a Mitch Putnam. Yeah. He already said that he was. So that's so good. good. And here's the here's the best part. I mean, this is great. But here's the best part. We've totally deviated. That's fine. Look at look at the pin backer, Andrew. It's, it's, pink. it's pink. Oh, great. Um I don't know what we were saying. Follow us on the internet. Uh Slack. We were ending the episode. Yeah. yeah, we were ending it. Let's just end it. I'm Andrew. I'm Patrick. I'm Luke. And I'm also Andrew. Peace out. Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> Hold on to your butt. Uh, bye. <laughs>